Hello, everyone, and welcome. This is Let's Sleep On It, Reclaiming Parenthood, the podcast. And I'm your host, Taylor Kulik, a sleep and well-being specialist and occupational therapist. My mission with this podcast is to examine the parenting narratives that dominate our culture and grow together as parents. Here, we will talk about biological infant sleep, as well as many other parenting-related topics. And you'll also hear real empowering journeys from parents who are parenting against the grain. I hope that you walk away from each episode feeling inspired, empowered, and supported. Please remember that none of the information shared in this podcast is medical advice, and you should always speak with a trusted healthcare provider if you have any concerns. Let's dive into today's episode. So I have been searching for a clean electrolyte company that I love for a really long time, and I just hadn't found anything that I liked, that I enjoyed the taste of, that I felt good about the ingredients, until I found Element. And I actually got a sample from somebody, and I was instantly hooked. They have really good flavors. They're actually tasty. Like, I enjoy drinking them, whereas other brands that I've tried in the past I really haven't enjoyed. And you can just put them straight into your water, um, and they're so good. So they have salt, magnesium, and potassium potassium in them. And a lot of people don't realize how important electrolytes are for true hydration. A lot of us are chugging water because we're being told that we need more water, but we don't, we're not drinking the electrolytes that we need to actually hydrate our bodies. And so Element is a great choice. They also make seasonal chocolate flavors that are really good as like a hot chocolate. And you can put them in your coffee if you want, or just with hot water and like milk or just plain. I like to drink them plain. I love Element. I have at least one pack a day. Electrolytes are so important, especially for pregnancy and breastfeeding. So if you're lacking your electrolytes, give Element a try. You can use my link, Drink Element. It's drinklmnt.com slash Taylor K. And you will get a free gift with your purchase, which is a sample pack. So you can try all of the flavors. Again, that's drinklmnt.com slash Taylor K. Hi, everyone. We have Sue Groner joining us today. Sue Groner is an experienced mother of two young adults, and she knows how stressful and overwhelming parenting can be. Sue is the founder of Parenting Mentor, which is a multifaceted platform for parents looking for guidance in raising emotionally healthy, self-resilient children, and she provides simple and effective parenting strategies. With the goal of reducing everyday stress and anxiety that inevitably comes from being a parent, Sue provides a roadmap that shifts perspective to help parents be happier and more relaxed. Sue is the author of Parenting with Sanity and Joy, 101 Simple Strategies. She's also the host of the Parenting Mentor Sessions podcast and a certified positive disciplined parent educator. She's also the creator of The Clear Method, um, a method of parenting developed through years of trial and her fair share of errors. Clear adheres to the belief that parenting strategies should be grounded in six important pillars, communication, love, empathy, awareness, rules, and respect. This has become the cornerstone of her practice as the parenting mentor. From how to stop being the home, uh, being the homework, screen time, food, or sleep warden, to reducing sibling rivalry, the wisdom of her methodology helps parents foster and maintain a more fulfilling and stress-free experience while in the trenches of day-to-day child rearing. So today, 
Sue and I are talking about what to do when your toddler is not listening. Um, And she's going to walk us through some really helpful strategies for a variety of different kinds of situations. And I found this topic really helpful, really informative, and I really think you will too. So without further ado, let's get to this conversation. Hi, Sue. Welcome. Thank you so much for joining me today. Would you mind, for anyone who doesn't know who you are, would you mind just introducing yourself and telling us how you got to do what you do? Sure. I'm Sue Groner, also known as the Parenting Mentor. Um, And basically what I do is I help parents to be happier and more relaxed parents through perspective and simple strategies that reduce the everyday stress and anxiety that just inevitably comes from being a parent. Nobody's exempt from that. Um, I have two children. They are my daughter's 25 and my son is 23. And for the middle years, I would say I was a stressed out, anxious mom. And I learned Uh, so much from my own experience that that was so unnecessary and decided like it was, you know, I love being a mom. I love kids and I wanted to share my wisdom and all my learnings and my strategies with other moms so that they don't go through what I did and have it just be a much more sane and joyful experience. Yeah. I love that. Do you have like, I don't know, an elevator pitch for if you could just sum up your parenting philosophy and what you teach parents in just a couple of sentences, what would that be? Um, I guess I would say that everything that we see as problems, everything that we feel that we need to fix so that our kids are happy are really opportunities for our kids to become self-reliant, to become resilient, to develop problem-solving skills and coping mechanisms, which I believe are really the foundation for becoming a healthy adult. And so all those uncomfortable feelings that our kids have are okay and opportunities to develop all of that. So rather than looking at these situations and saying, oh my God, I need to fix this. Oh my God, I can't believe they forgot this. I need to rush it to school. Oh my gosh, whatever. They didn't get invited to a birthday party. Like all those things now we can look at so differently. So A, we don't get stressed out and B, really helping our kids in a huge way that we sort of are in our instinct, our maternal instinct tells us not to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. I love that. Um, I always say, you know, our, it's not our job to fix our children's emotions. We can support them. We can narrate them. We can be there to help them. Um, but we don't, I think a lot of, especially new parents go in thinking like my job is to make my child happy all the time, but that's really not very realistic. And we're not as humans, we're not happy all the time. So I totally exactly. Yeah. And, and it's the validation piece is so important. It's making that emotional connection with our child saying, I hear, I get it. I get Mm -hmm. that you're disappointed and I don't blame you for feeling that way. That's really normal. Yeah. Rather than don't be sad, honey. It's okay. Don't. Yeah. That's what I used to say to my kids. Don't be sad. Mm -hmm. Don't worry. It'll be fine. And it's like, why would I say that? No, those are those are real feelings like and they're 
normal. And I also feel like so many moms and dads, they don't want to show their kids how they're feeling when they're feeling uncomfortable. And I think it's important for our kids to see that, you know, hey, mom's so frustrated right now because, you know, I worked really hard on this piece, this thing for work, and then my computer crashed. Mm-hmm. And I'm so frustrated. I have to start all over again. Like, yeah, you know what? Adults get frustrated, disappointed, worried, all those things. And like when our kids see us having them and then see us processing them and see us fine on the other side, we're being really good role models for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So the listeners of this podcast tend to have younger children, like babies, toddlers. I mean, there's a wide range, um, but I think that's probably the majority. So I would really love to pick your brain about some strategies, um, for, or what, maybe even a perspective shift that we, that might be useful to us for when we have a young child who is just suddenly not listening defiant. And I feel like this is a, this is often a really big shock to new parents because they have this baby who is sweet and just has these needs, right? They just need to be held and and snuggled and fed and changed. And then all of a sudden they reach this age where they're now talking back and they're yelling at us about everything and they're testing limits all the time. What do we do? Well, first of all, just to understand it is helpful. And so you know, I'm not a child psychologist, but what, but in a, in simple term, my simple terms, it's, you know, this child who couldn't talk back and couldn't say no, and just was a real baby is now starting to realize that they have some agency in their life and they can take a little control. And that's like a really cool thing, you know? And, and so the first thing is to watch it as a parent, be aware of this and, and know that your child is developing the way that they should. So this is a good thing. It's how we deal with it, right? So our kid is going to want to be able to say no and want to have some control. If we can lean into that for a no better phrase, not my favorite, but if we can, then we're going to be happier and more relaxed, which again is my focus. It's how you as a parent can be happier more and more relaxed. It all ends up helping your kids, but this is about you. So you see that your kid is now, you say, we have to go put on your shoes. And your kid like now can say, no, I'm not putting on my shoes or they run away or, and then you end up like in this big fight because you've got to get out of the house or they've got to get to daycare or preschool or whatever it is. And now you're really stressed out and your kid's not happy either. So what do you do? My opinion is you get one goal. Your goal is to get in the car, okay? And get them to where they need to go or get you where you need to go. Your goal isn't to get their shoes on, to get their hair brushed, to get their coat on, all that stuff to make sure they've eaten. Just skip all that stuff. That stuff will happen. And if it doesn't, it's okay. So I know people are thinking, wait, what's she talking about? Right? So say, it's time to go. Do you want to put your shoes on? 
and they'll say no. And you'll say, okay, we'll bring the shoes with us. And you leave. So there's no argument. It's like, okay. It's not like fine. It's just, okay. You don't want to put your shoes on? Fine. Now, if they're getting in the stroller, maybe their feet will get cold. Or they're walking on the driveway to get into the car and it's uncomfortable. That is okay. Maybe there's snow on the ground or they're going to walk in a puddle. That is okay. Nothing's going to happen to them that is life-threatening. And then when they're like, mom, I want my shoes, my feet hurt, this is uncomfortable or whatever, shoes, you know, maybe they don't have like a huge vocabulary yet, but they're not comfortable and you'll know it. Then you say, would you like to put your shoes on? And they'll say, yes. And then you'll say, yeah, I know people don't, that's why people wear shoes because your feet can get uncomfortable or cold or the street hurts or whatever, you know, it, whatever the situation is, now your child is learning something. You're not struggling. You're not fighting. There's no control issue here because when there is, your child's usually the one that wins. Now this is an, an experience that they're having so that they can learn. And instead of saying, well, I told you to put your shoes on, of course your feet hurt, which is kind of what we want to say. Yeah, We say, yeah, that's why people wear shoes. And then you take it a step farther and you say, let's look at all the people that we see and see if there's anyone not wearing shoes. See if you can find one person who's not wearing shoes. And they're going to see everybody's wearing shoes. And that's the end of the story. And you know what? It may happen again. It may happen again. But eventually your child's going to learn. They want to have their shoes on. It's the same as like, it's cold out. You need to put on a coat. Well, they don't know what it's cold out means until they experience it. And then when they're cold and uncomfortable, they'll say, oh, yeah, that's why I want to wear a coat or gloves or whatever the situation is. Yeah. Well, and kids learn better when it's like their idea or they're coming up with it and they're not stressed rather than us kind of fostering this stressed environment where we're just forcing it to happen. They're not actually learning anything, but this actually going outside and being uncomfortable because there's no shoes, it's a natural consequence and they're learning it more effectively. Right? Yeah, exactly. And I think like we have to, the perspective piece is that how can our kids know to do these things and why, unless they experience what it's like not to do them, right? right? And that we're not bad parents if we allow them to have those experiences. Because I think people will think, oh, I can't let my kid walk down the street without shoes on. People are going to look at me and think I'm a terrible mother, you know, no. That's not true. Yeah. I'm the you one know? at the park all the time in the winter. My kids are like, can I take my shoes off? Cause they love feeling their feet on the, on the hard equipment and like climbing up the slides and I'm like, sure. Take your shoes off. It's, it's 35 degrees outside, but if you want to take your shoes off, that's fine. And I definitely get the stairs, but they learn. And when their feet get cold, they come put their shoes on. It's yeah. not a big deal. And then you're not, there's no struggle. Yeah. Like think to yourself, is this life threatening? You know, and it's never going to be, you know, unless like your child wants to walk on like, you know, 
glass, which isn't going to happen, you know? Yeah. And then if they want to walk on glass, you can say, you know, before you do that, I want to talk to you about it. And then you take something that feels like glass and you poke it in their butt so they can, or they can walk on something that's similar. That's not going to cut them. So they know what that feels like. Mm -hmm. I know it looks interesting, but do you know what that feels like? That really hurts. Let's try walking on this, which isn't, doesn't hurt quite as much as walking on glass and it's not going to cut your skin and then you're not going to need, you know, band-aids and all the things, you you know, all the things I don't like. Um, and, you know, I wouldn't let my kid walk on glass, but I would let them walk on something that might hurt a little so that they understand what that's like. And because they don't know. Right. I, I think we're, we're being unfair to them in a way by being sort of, you know, it's a little dictatorial and yes, we need to keep boundaries and we need to set rules and, you know, firm, firm believer in that. But again, like, is this worth a fight? Yeah. I love that. Well, and not everything has to be a boundary. It's a kind of pick your battles sort of thing. Like what are the important boundaries and rules? And what are things that I feel like a lot of us as parents, this is me. I mean, I get into these ruts of, I'm just saying no to everything, everything that's inconvenient to me at all. And I have to really stop myself when I find myself getting into these patterns and think, why do I have to say no to this? It's okay if it inconveniences me a little bit. It's okay if it doesn't work out. Like I can say yes to this. And then that makes the rest of our day go so much smoother that it's worth it in the long run. Yeah, I think that, first of all, I think it's important to have rules, but limited ones. And those are the ones where usually where it's around safety and, and, you know, we need those rules. And then if you have rules around, you know, screen time or your own rules around, like I'll never tell someone you need to have, you know, your kid needs to eat. X times a day and you know when they're done you should put them like, you have to create your own rules that work for you and your family excuse me um but not you know so I'm never going to dictate what those should be or when your kid is three they can watch this much tv or you know you've got to figure that out and and what works in your family I totally get what you're saying I agree but in my head I'm also thinking about some more specific examples that are not so straightforward that like with the shoe example. So one Mm -hmm. I'm thinking of, which was part of this example, but what if the battle is getting in the car and you actually do need to get your child in the car um, or you'll be late to something, there's something important you have to go to. And they're actually just not wanting to get in the car. Then what do you do? Cause it's not so simple as well, then they just don't have to get in the car. Right. Right. Exactly. Okay. So what, if you know that that happens, you know, that your kid's in the middle of doing something and they don't want to stop, right? You need to prepare in advance for this. And, you know, kids don't like to just be told at the last second. Transitions are hard for little kids. And so you need to prepare them and say, we need to leave in X number of minutes, which is also they don't understand. And so I'm a big fan proponent of a kitchen timer. And there are some really good ones that you can get like on Amazon. There's one where it actually, there's, you 
put in to the time and then it's like a color like red or whatever and the red gets smaller and smaller so even when they don't know numbers they can see that this is getting smaller and smaller and when there's no more red left that's when their time is up and it's their timer they you can decorate it with stickers like it should be their special thing and you can utilize this for a lot of years and you're teaching them time management in the process so, you know obviously they're very young but this is the very first step in doing that and so say this is our plan for tomorrow morning talk about it the night before and then talk about it in the morning let's review our plan for today this is what we're doing this is what you are doing and this is you have this much time to do whatever game you're playing or whatever and then we need to put it away and so there's got to be transition time not like okay at the 15 minute mark is uh, is up they jump in the car that's not going right. to work either and so you kind of have to work with your kid and help them through this and so it means that you have to be ready early and you have to be calm and patient and the more calm you are the more they're going to get along go along with what you're doing because if they feel the intensity and the rushing it's a signal for them maybe to become that kid to say no I don't have to don't tell me what to do you know there might not be intellectualizing that necessarily but I mean don't you find that too when, when yeah someone's pushing you you're like Whoa. Oh yeah. If someone wrong. tells me what to do, even if I wanted to do that thing, I'm like, oh, now I'm not going to do it. Like I cannot stand when people like kind of boss me around or like, you know, say something that's like, that just feels pushy. I'm like, no, I'm not going to do that now. No. Just cause you said that. Right. So, yeah. Well, that's exactly what's happening with our kids. Yeah. And so we can help them get to the point where that they don't feel that way. Right. And you it's know, I like, yeah, I was just going to say that another thing that like really is helpful is just in terms of our language is we get rid of the word but and we use and. I know you're having so much fun playing that. And we say, but it's time to go. It's like, I don't really care that you're having so much fun. It's and it's time to go. Mm. So I've not, I've validated how they're feeling. And I've also told them what needs to happen as opposed to saying it's, it doesn't matter. Yeah. And it, you'll notice that when you start to do that, it does make a difference. And it will, it's, it's just the most subtle language change, but it really, it really helps. And it'll help you too, in terms of thinking about what your child is experiencing. And I think that's so much of of what we need to do as moms to help our kids through these little, whatever they are, whether it's a transition or something that they don't wanna do. It's just understanding, and this works with, you know, elementary school kids and teenagers and adults, like in your adult relationships to say, if you validate first and then say what needs to happen, it's hard to stop doing something that you really like doing. And it's time for us to go. 
And when we get home, you can continue playing with this. So now they've also got a plan. Mm. When you get home from daycare, let's do this. Or we're going to do that together. Or you can continue to put this set of blocks together that you're creating now. We'll leave it. Yeah, I love that. I've also found, so I, I think that a lot of these these parenting strategies are for a lot of us because it's so different than what maybe we were raised with and maybe mm-hmm. even so different than what we're doing. It can feel really hard to do these things in the moment. It can feel like a lot more work. But what I found is that when you do put in the effort to make these conscious, conscious decisions um, in the moment, it really in the long run makes parenting a lot easier because your your children are more willing and likely to cooperate with you and there's less stress. And so if you're, it's easier, it feels easier to yell and to, to rush and to, you know, kind of just yank your children around sometimes if you need to get somewhere, but then it creates these struggles and it, and then the day kind of unravels after that and everybody's stressed. And so there's just more problems and more challenges. So I do find that it's harder in the moment when you're just getting used to doing these things, but it does make a big difference in terms of just long-term ease of parenting and being able yeah, to connect I, with your kids. I don't think it necessarily is easier to yell and rush and all of that. It's just sort of, we think that we have this control over our kids and that whatever we tell them to do, they're just supposed to do it when we snap our fingers. And that maybe that is how we were raised. And that's just, they're little and they need to listen to us. That doesn't work, which everyone who's listening probably knows that every time they try that, it doesn't work. And so, you know, if you continue on that way, then it it just becomes a nightmare. It becomes really hard and stressful. And you don't, no one wants to start their day that way or end their day that way or have any minute of the day that way. And so by paying attention, it's just, it's really, it's being more deliberate about everything and yeah maybe the harder part is that you need to if you're someone who's always rushing you need to change that a little bit you know and the more you rush the more your kids see that as sort of a the way that things get done and they're gonna be people who are rushing too and then it's gonna just make life much more difficult for you and as you move forward getting off to school and getting places you need to be and So the hard part, I would say, is just if that's you, then you have to work on yourself in terms of really kind of planning ahead so that your mornings are not crazy like that. Right. That's what I'm saying. For many parents, it is easier to yell or to rush or do whatever because it's second nature to us. It's what we're used to. It's what we were raised with. And it's hard work to change your pattern. So that is why I'm saying it's it's easier for a lot of parents. If if we didn't have that experience growing up, if we're maybe prone to like anger and rage and things like that. I mean, it takes a lot of work to to rewire those connections in the brain and change the way that you respond and react to your kids for sure. Um, what it's helpful. Yeah. I was going to say it's helpful to think about if you were not talking to a child and you were talking to a friend. Yeah. You know, cause you would never talk to your friend the way you talk to your child. Right. I have also found play using play during transitions really helpful because our children's brains are wired for play and also giving choices. So especially when they don't 
yet understand the concept of what five minutes looks like. I'll often say, okay, we have five minutes before we have to leave. You can do, you can put four more blocks on or five more blocks on, which would you like to do? So you're giving them kind of this representation of this is the amount of time that we have. It will take you, you know, five minutes to put four blocks on, and then you get to choose. Do you want to do four or five? So it's giving them some more control over the transition. Cause that now they're getting to choose how many blocks they want to build. Or like if we're at the playground and it's time to leave in five minutes, I say, do you want to go? And they're going down the slide do you want to go down the slide three more times or four more times? So you're giving them a choice in the midst of that transition where they're feeling like they're losing control. Right. I love that. And I think that does give them a little bit of control, like you said. And so, yeah, I think that's, I think that's great. The choices. And I think anytime you can make something a little more fun, I mean, why not? You know, if you're going to be silly or about it, and that's sort of where I see the play coming in, it's hard with every situation to make it play actual play, but it can be playful. Yeah. Well, even one of the, one of the easiest ways to make transitions playful is, um, letting them choose between like hopping, like a frog to the bathroom to brush teeth or crawling like a bear to the bathroom to brush teeth. So even just actually doing the transitions in a playful way is one way you can just add that in and make it fun. Um, yeah, even you can make the toothbrush into something that's going, you know, searching for gold in their teeth or let's get it all out and find it or you know whatever that yeah. is there's a yeah, lot of a lot of ways you can do that fun for them okay so I'm thinking of these different scenarios that aren't as straightforward as the shoe scenario so one of them is when a child is hurting another child they're biting or hitting out of anger or frustration how do you recommend navigating that so I I, I just like I said earlier was like, yes, that's why people wear shoes. I like using global sort of statements. So rather than you're not allowed to hit so-and-so, don't do that. People don't hit people, right? Those are big statements. And I think our kids understand them that way. We're not pointing fingers. We're not judging. We're just saying people don't hit people it's okay to be angry. I can see that you're frustrated. It's okay to feel that way, but you can't, but hitting is not the way to express that or hitting another person is not the way to express that. Let's find some way for you to show your anger and get it out. We're not harming something or someone right Right? now. If you're home and this happens, you know, I always recommend having just something that they can, you know, if they need the physical expression, then, you know, maybe there's a special pillow that they have that they can just punch into for a little bit just to get that out. And, you know, at some point they're going to learn better self-regulation. They're not going to need to do that we're talking about little kids who like having these really big emotions. I don't know what to do with them. And imagine sometimes I'm sure that there's been a time where you've been so angry that you wanted to hit the person you were so angry at, or you wanted to just throw something because it just would feel really good. And you just don't know what else to do. 
So, mm-hmm. that, and then we're adults who've been through this and have more self-regulation, emotional regulation. So imagine you're this tiny little child just doesn't know what to do. They don't, they don't have the skills to say, Hey, it really gets me angry when you bump, jump in front of me in line when it's not your turn, you know, like they don't know how to do that. Yeah. And so this is how, what they do. And so I think, again, it's like understanding having the awareness. So I, I don't know if you, I have this method called clear. It stands for communication, love, empathy, awareness, rules, and respect. And so the awareness piece is that first piece, like, how is my child feeling? I'm going to try to put myself into their head as a two-year-old or three-year-old or four-year-old and really try to figure that out. So then I have more empathy to, to understand and talk to them. And I'm using, I can be firm and loving right? Firm is like, people do not hit people. But I understand how you feel. Like, I love you. Like, I'm not going to get angry at you for this, because that's not going to help. Right? Right. Mm -hmm. The rule, people don't hit people. And then what if they continue to break that rule? Then what? Even you're you're telling them that and they keep hitting the and you have a you have another maybe child in the home. So it's not even that it's as easy to like leave the environment or change the environment. What what then? When well, if you're in the park or whatever, that if you can't, if I see you're having a lot of trouble following the rule about not hitting people, let's go home and, and we'll try again another time. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's the same thing. I I he said, if, if you have a child that comes to your house, who's doing that, you know, or is not following the rules of your house, that you can say to that child, I see that you're having trouble following our rules. I understand they can be difficult. You're welcome to come back another time. And you call that parent, you tell them, you know, it's not like your child's being bad. It's, hey, you know what? It's, your child's having is struggling with the rules today, which is really like, it's not, again, it's not judgmental, you know? And so if you're, if you see your child and there's another child in your house, a sibling, if you see your child reacting that way, then you take them aside and say, let's review. People don't hit people. I see that your brother is really frustrating you right now. And you're having trouble expressing that. Do you want to go and to your anger pillow and use that, right? You need to cut it off at the pass, but not like in a way to where sibling rivalry starts to happen, right? Because sometimes they will hit their sibling from with sibling rivalry. And often it's the instigator that gets hit. It's not the instigator that's doing the hitting. And the more we get involved in that, the more we promote this cycle of instigator doing something to the other child, the other child retaliates. The instigator who's now been hit or whatever comes running to mommy. Mommy says, oh no, come here, you poor thing. And goes to the retaliator and says, don't hit your brother. You're not allowed to hit your brother. You hit a timeout, da, 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 right? Well, 
the little instigator is like, oh, isn't this cool? This, this is great. I'm getting mommy's love and he's getting in trouble. Right. Right. And this pattern starts to develop over and over again. So with sibling rivalry, I mean, when that kind of stuff happens, you know, unless they're really, really getting hurt, then I mean if it's a baby if it's an older like a three-year-old hitting a baby that's a different story you know and chances are you're not going to just leave your baby alone without you there you're not so as soon as you see that happening then you have that talk Mm -hmm. and you can say if you're having a lot of trouble right now let's think of something else you could you know way to express that or the other thing is the the physical anger towards a baby is a whole nother subject and that's because they just don't like what the baby represents you know and that is taking away mommy's time from me time and attention from me and I don't like that right and that's also very very understandable but it is what it is. And the child's going to have to learn to deal with it. But one of the things that we can do is make sure that that child gets 10 to 15 minutes of undivided one-on-one attention, mm-hmm. like really undivided, no bones, no nothing. Number one, just, and it yeah. doesn't have to be let's bake cookies or let's do something special. It's just, if you sit down together and do imaginary play or whatever that kid wants to do, if they have a favorite book that they want you to read 10 times, then that's what you do. Or you just want to snuggle and sing songs. Like it's whatever simple, like don't make this into a big deal. It's just, you're making that emotional connection with your child for those 15 minutes. And that's what they need. And there actually were studies done. I think in, I forget what country, but I want to say Finland, maybe, or Sweden, I think Sweden, where they actually showed that that's all a child really needs. It's like 10 to 15 minutes a day or just connection, one-to-one connection. Yeah, that 10 to 15 minutes a day of undivided attention. Not, you know, we're in the car together, not they're coming grocery shopping with me, not they're in the kitchen while I'm doing stuff. No, it's that real undivided attention and you know what it's also important to let that child know how important that time is to you mm-hmm. like that also goes a long way I'm really looking forward to my alone time with you later you know and you let them know that they're going to get it and how important like I look forward to that every day when you come home from daycare or you come home from preschool we're going to spend you know, we're going to have our special alone time. That's my favorite part of the day. How yeah. good does that make your child feel then? Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like that it, when we say it like 10 to 15 minutes of one-to-one connection time, it doesn't sound like much. It kind of sounds like, well, aren't we already doing that? But when we really think about our day, so many of us aren't because even right. if we are like, I honestly hardly ever play with my children. I'm always, they're always around. I'm always around them, but I'm always doing something else. And Mm -hmm. even if we are like sitting down and doing something with them, there's our phones and maybe there's the TV and there's always other distractions. And I have found I've started doing the 10 to 15 minutes.
minutes of connection a day. Um, I've been trying to, and I find that again, I'll get into these ruts where things are really hard with my kids. And there's just, there's not a lot of cooperation between any of us. And I, the missing piece is the connection or the lack of connection. Mm -hmm. And so then I start implementing that 10 to 15 minutes a day and things just change. It gets so much better. Um, It's amazing, isn't it? And you know what? It is like, you think, oh, 10, 15 minutes, no problem. But you know what? It, the day just goes and we're all so busy. It really need to schedule it. I know it sounds crazy, but if you schedule it and you tell your child also, who also wants to know the plan, they like the plans and they like to know that they get, they're going to start asking for it as eventually when's our special alone time or you call it whatever you want. It's going to be one of those things that'll become a very regular part of your day that, but when it schedules in, it will happen. And even if you have, like, if you're working at home and you have meetings that you schedule in, you know, if you need a little transition time to schedule and block out the half hour. So you can finish up what you're doing. You can go find your kid. You can have that time and then you can go back to what you're doing. It's, it makes a difference. It's really, it's, and that's an easy thing. Mm-hmm. The other thing is if you see your child and, you know, I think your listeners are definitely in the age of where kids are having tantrums. Oh yeah. Yeah. That the other thing I say is, you know, be in tune with your child, watch what's going on. If you are, I mean, and I'm sure if I say, you know, how many times have each of you said to yourself, oh my gosh, I can see something, they're going to have a tantrum, mm-hmm. right? It hasn't happened yet, but you see that it's going to happen. Well, this is your moment to swoop in and preempt that tantrum. And so what that means is, sweetie, it looks like you're having a hard time right now. You don't need to put a label on it, nothing. You just say, you know what? Let's, it looks like you could use a time in. Okay, what's a time in? It's saying, I see you're having a hard time. Let's snuggle for a few minutes. I need you big hugs. I'm just going to give you what you need because you can't tell me how you're feeling. You can't show me how you're showing me a little bit. And I don't want you to have that outburst because A, it's a drag for me, but it can't be good for you either to feel that way. Right? Yeah. But this way, I'm again, back to that emotional connection. I see you're having a really hard time. Come here, sweetie. Let me give you a couple of big hugs. Could be as simple as that. You know, and eventually too, you want your child to, when they start to feel that way, to come to you and say, mommy, can I have a time in? Mm-hmm. Right? Teach them about that. You know, if it's five minutes sitting on the couch, just snuggling together. If you have a little more time, you know, read a book or sing a song that they love, whatever it's like soothing to them. You don't have to talk it through. You don't have to analyze it. You just need to be there for them saying, I see it. I see you're going through a hard time and I'm here to support you. And, you know, as you, as your child gets older, the more we do that, the more that they feel comfortable with their feelings. Because we're not saying, don't feel that way. Let me make you happy. Right. Right. Let's do this. Let's we're just saying, 
I see you feeling that way and I can give you a little support around it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we're validating and giving love. I mean, how easy is that? Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Well, Sue, thank you so much for joining us today. This was so helpful. I know everybody listening, especially those with young kids are going to feel so encouraged and walk away from this with a lot of strategies to use. Would you mind just telling us as we leave, um, what resources you have available for parents and where parents can find you in your work? Sure. So the first thing is to go on my website, which is theparentingmentor.com. I have um, a little freebie on five strategies to make things a little more sane as a parent that you can download. I have a book called Parenting with Sanity and Joy, 101 Simple Strategies, very non-judgmental. You can read one tip at a time. It's one of those really easy books and you'll feel good like, wow, I got this. I can do this. Um, I also have a podcast called The Parenting Mentor Sessions where a parent comes on, discusses a current challenge that they're having, and I work at help them through with perspective and strategies. And there's a bunch of things for little kids on there and a lot of parents. And if you're interested in being on it as a parent, please DM me. I'm on Instagram as at, at the Parenting Mentor, as well as TikTok at the Parenting Mentor. And I'm also available for private sessions groups and I work with companies to support their parents as well. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. You're so welcome. This was fun. Thanks, Taylor. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please subscribe and leave a review if you feel called to. It really helps our message reach more parents. You can also follow me on Instagram at Taylor Kulik for similar content or visit my website at www.taylorkulik.com. I offer online courses where we really dive into infant and toddler sleep holistically. And we also offer one-to-one holistic sleep support services if you're looking to improve your child's sleep or shift patterns without sleep training. If you know a parent who would benefit from this podcast, please share. And if you'd like to financially support this podcast to allow me to create more episodes more often, you can visit anchor.fm slash Taylor I hope you'll join me next time.